Heavenly Father, thank you this morning that we can worship you. Lord, and we can surrender our lives to you uh, because you're the one that has saved us and given yours for us. Thank you, Lord, we can be reminded of the truth of the gospel. Let it enrich us, Lord, let it um, fill our hearts this morning. And I pray, Lord, that as the kids go out, that they would uh, be blessed in their ministries and bless those that are uh, ministering to them, we ask. As Dan comes and speaks to us, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would bless his words and his words would uh, penetrate our hearts, Lord. Uh, the, the word of God would, would be spoken through him. We ask that you bless him and, and our congregation, our time today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Wow, look at this. Cold, frosty morning, and we packed it out. <laughs> what an awesome problem to have, eh, when you're running out of space. This is great. Hey, um, for those, quick intro, for those who don't know me, my name is Dan, and I talk very, very fast. I apologize for that. I'll try and slow down. Um, I'm here with my wife, Nikki. Uh, for the past 15 years, we've been overseas doing uh, church planting through house churches and uh, making disciples. Uh, it's been about seven years of that time was in Scotland, and then uh, the, the past six years been in South Korea. And uh, we returned last year. We had to come home uh, due to visa issues related to COVID-19. And so we're, at the moment, we, uh, uh, we work unpaid roles out at East West College of Intercultural Studies, uh, preparing people for cross-cultural uh, missions. Uh, and uh, out at Gordonton, just down the road. And uh, so uh, really uh, excited to be here this morning. Uh, what a privilege. This, this is um, so awesome. So we're going to take a break this week from 2 Samuel. We're going to step out of that and you'll be back into that next week. Uh, I want to share with you something this morning that um, I looked at about a year and a half ago. And just in the last sort of um, four or five weeks, God's kind of been bringing me back there. And uh, so I want to start with the, this question. Uh, did you ever get the sense that God was asking you to step out and do something? You ever had that kind of feeling? Yeah, some people nodding. Yeah, or maybe just shivering. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, um, but maybe you've had that before or you're going through it right now. You know, maybe it's something to do with relationships. You know, you had that where you, it might be something like, you know, I just feel like I really should pick up the phone and call that person. You know, or, you know, they said something in the past or I said something and, you know, it didn't go that well. And you just kind of feel like God's kind of pressing on you that you need to sort of sort that one out. Or, uh, um, you know, I, I really need to work on this relationship in some way. You know, it could be something like that. Or um, maybe maybe this one, you know, it might be something like, you know, my friend is, has been making some really bad life decisions lately and is about to go down a really bad track. You know, and uh, um, I really should step up and say something. You know, you ever felt that? You know, God's kind of pressing on you. So maybe it's maybe it's something to do with relationships. Maybe uh, it's something personal. You know, I really should stop doing that thing that I'm doing. Right? I know that it's bad for me, and it's going to affect you know people that I love around me. You know, something like that. Or maybe the opposite of that. Maybe I need to start doing that thing. You know. And, you know, I keep talking about it and I keep thinking about it, but, um, you know, I'm busy and tired and, you know, all of that, whatever it is. But you just kind of, you get this sense that it's just um, something that God wants you to do. Or maybe it's this, maybe it's something to do with ministry, right? We could really use someone to help with fill in the blank, you know, whatever it is. So, um, uh, you know, maybe it's, 
teach Sunday school or pick people up for worship or, you know, help with a youth event or, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is for you. And, um, um, and you're really busy, you know, with life and work and family and, and, and all of that. And uh, it's going to take some time and some effort and probably some money. Um, but you, again, you just have the sense that it's something that God wants you to do. And it just kind of stays on there and it won't go away. Right? We had, uh, um, when we were in Korea, we had a lot of, uh, lot of Koreans in our house church. And, and uh, as they were heading back to South Korea, uh, they started saying, do you think you could come to Korea and do this? Yeah? And we said, no, no one wants to learn that language, you know. And uh, uh, anyway, I went to Korea to, you know, try and help um, some of the Koreans plug into churches there. And even when I came back, Scotland and I, I said, ah, they'll be fine. It's, it'll be fine, you know. And it just wouldn't go away. You know, it just wouldn't go away. And after a while, I thought, ah, I know what this is, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so you ever, you ever had been, been in that kind of situation, right? Um, uh, we're going to look this morning at the book of Jonah, right? So if you've got a, a Bible or a, or a Bible app and you want, want to turn over there. Um, now, um, when we think of the book of Jonah, uh, we always think of Jonah and the what? Jonah and the whale, yep. Uh, but actually, uh, that's only a very, very small part of this story. And so we're actually not going to really look too much at that this morning. Um, so we'll start off in Jonah chapter 1. Yeah, it takes a while to find it, isn't it? You might have to blow the dust off your Bible and, yeah, yeah, and to, to get to there. Jonah chapter 1, uh, verse number 1. And I'll have the verses up here as well uh, to make it easier. But if you're sitting way down the back there, you might, um, might struggle to read that. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, right? So just a bit of background on Jonah. Um, 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25 tells us that Jonah was a prophet, right? He's a, he's a spokesperson for God in a, in a very small town called Gath Hefer in northern Israel. So this area would later be called Galilee, right? And so that's, that's where he's from. Um, it's, it, Gath Hefer was kind of a satellite town to Nazareth, right? Very small place, kind of like Gordonton you know, to Hamilton, you know, and, uh, and, and that's where he's from. Um, but smack bang in the middle of Galilee there, you know, just a side note there. Remember the religious leaders when, when Jesus was from Nazareth and they said, search the scriptures and see no prophet comes from Galilee. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, um, that's where he's from, right, right from the middle there, right? And, um, uh, and so this is where he's from. And northern Israel, all of northern Israel is in a really, really bad state at this time, right? Um, idol worship had become the, the, the acceptable, just an acceptable part of the culture. And it had been that way for some time. And now they're at the stage where people are actually sacrificing their own children, right? This is pretty horrific stuff. So I'm not going to go into all the details here. But, um, you know, when you get to that point, when you, when, we know from history, when you see a culture get to that stage, you, you can pretty much know that you're the last generation of that culture as it, you know, in, the, in its current form, right? Um, it's pretty pretty horrific stuff, and and this is uh, this is where he lives, and this is where uh, where it's at at that point. And so for several years, God's prophets have been telling everyone that look, judgment is about to fall on Israel. Right? For a long time, you know, you had prophets like Isaiah saying, if you don't turn this around, it's it's not going to be good. And now the prophets are saying, all right, it's too late. Get ready, judgment's coming. Right? And. Uh, so the Assyrian Empire, they were the, uh, they were the, the major players. They, they were the world superpower back in those days. And uh, 
They had made several incursions into, into northern Israel and they were you know, requiring tribute from the people and, uh, and burning the cities of anyone who refused. Right? And uh, their brutality was kind of legendary. And, uh, and again, you know, it's a family show, so we, we won't go into all of that. But uh, in many ways, the Holocaust that they eventually would carry out against the Jews was worse than the one that the Nazis did. Right? That's pretty hard to get you get around, isn't it? But, um, you know, just, just very, very brutal people. And um, uh, in, in Jonah's time, the earlier Assyrian kings really just were interested in the money, right? So they would sort of come in and, and into Israel and they would take all the gold and stuff of value, value and they would make people pay tribute taxes and they would kind of leave again, you know? And, um, um, but the kings in power recently were becoming more and more interested in expanding their empire, right, and taking the land. Right, and so uh, they are on the verge. Um, so uh, here's here's Nineveh over here. This is their capital city in Assyria, and uh, they're on the verge of this major sort of push down to the southwest, uh, and to to kind of uh, they were going to invade all these countries to the southwest of them, uh, including Israel, which is you know in, in here. And uh, so God comes to Jonah, and amongst all of this, and He says, "This uh, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city." And call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Right? Go to Nineveh, tell the people there, knock it off. Yeah? Uh, the ruins of Nineveh are still there in, uh, in the city of Mosul in northern Iraq. You might remember Mosul was on the news a bit a couple of years ago. Um, it, it, uh, it was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. Um, for about 50 years, it was the largest city in the world. Right? It's twice the size of Babylon. Right? It's a pretty massive place uh, for its day. Um, and, uh, you know, Jonah gets a rough time, doesn't he? You know, most of the time when you hear sermons on Jonah, it's like, oh, look, don't be like Jonah, you know. And uh, we even sing Sunday school songs. There's a Sunday school song that says, don't be a Jonah, right? But you have to understand what, what God's asking him to do here. This is like asking a Jew in 1942 to go to Berlin and tell those Nazis to knock it off. Yeah? Be real. You wouldn't have gone. You know, uh, you know, this is why he ran, you know, uh, or part of the reason why he ran. And, um, uh, and so he didn't want to go. Uh, he hated the Assyrians, right? They, they were brutal to his people, right? Uh, but there's something else going on here that we, we, we quite often miss, which is this, that um, uh, what happens if he goes there and they listen and they repent and God doesn't judge them? What happens next, right? They'll inevitably push south, and that'll bring about this judgment uh, on Israel that the prophets have been talking about for, for years. Yeah. So he could actually kind of bring this about, you know, be, be kind of instrumental in that. That's pretty tough, yeah? Um, so what about us? Let's make this a bit more personal, right? What about us, right? When we have that nagging feeling that God wants us to step out and do something, uh, why don't we want to do it? <laughs> yeah. And there might be, you know, there could be a thousand reasons, but let me just go through a couple of basic ones. And these are ones that I struggle with. So that's why we're going through these. And, and, um, and I'm sure you can relate to some of them. First one is we think somebody better can do the job. You know? Um, uh, but the truth about this is almost every great leader in the Bible struggled with this, right? Uh, Moses said, you know, who am I to go to Pharaoh, you know, with his you know, speech impediment and, and all of that. Uh, Gideon said, 
He said, how can I save Israel? I'm the weakest guy in my immediate family, right? And my family is the weakest in the tribe. And my tribe is the smallest one in Israel. All of that was true. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jephthah said, you're really going to make, make me the leader? <laughs> that's, that's what he said, right? He was a thief and a bandit. And sometimes I think, you know, we, we think our past, you know, previous mistakes um, kind of rule us out, right? Um, and, um, you know, we, we just kind of think, God, someone better can do this, you know? And, and, and the important thing about this is this, this isn't something you just kind of feel once and then you get over it and then it's okay. It's, it's, it comes back and back. This, this kind of doubt constantly returns. There's, there's got to be someone better than me that can do this, right? Um, you read David's Psalms, you know, you see that. You know, not me, God. You know, get, get somebody smarter. You know, get somebody more kind of charismatic, you know. Somebody with better leadership skills. You know, that's, that's kind of how we, how we feel, right? Um, so that's kind of the first reason, you know, we, we think somebody better can do the job. Uh, the second one, the common one, this will mess up my plans, <laughs> you know. Uh, I have things that I want to do. And if I do this thing, it will slow me down or maybe even take me on a, on a completely different track, you know. Uh, in Jonah's case, right, he's from Gath Heifer. You know, like I say, think Gordonton, right? God says, I want you to go to the biggest city in the world. You know, Jonah's a country boy. You know, <laughs> I'm sure this was in, in Jonah's life plan, right? And besides, Israel's in a mess, right? There's, there's a lot of work for a prophet to do, you know, there in, in, in Israel at that time, right? And don't we do that, right? We go, yeah, I could do that, but then, you know, and we begin to sort of justify ourselves, you know, and we come up with really good reasons, you know, good reasons, you know, family, finances, uh, you know, tiredness, all that. They're all good reasons, right? It'll mess up my plans. You know? Reason number three that, that I want to look at um, is this one, and, and I struggle with this one a lot. It's, it's none of my business. <laughs> yeah, it's none of my business. Um, you know, like I say, you know, that, that one about you seeing a friend go down a bad path and you think, I really should just sort of step up if I was a good friend and kind of say something. Do you really want to do this? You know? And then we go, it's ah, not really my business. Not really my business. Let's see what Jesus say about this. Matthew 9 um, says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Like, he just really cared, right? Um, loving kindness. Because they were weary. They're just tired. He looked out at this crowd. They were just tired, and they were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. You know, they, they were just wandering aimlessly through life, no sense of purpose, no sense of direction, you know. Uh, verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest, right? There's work to be done. We just don't want to do it, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's none of my business, right? Uh, when I'm feeling that, ah, oh, it's none of my business, it gets worse, right? Because Jesus said this just before he left. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. You know, and you think, you know, he could have gone around the room, all those, you know, tax collectors and zealots and all of that. Think about how he loved them, right? Uh, but he says it's a commandment. It's a direct order. Right? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't get to choose. Right? You have to do this. Right? It's, it is your business. It is your business. Right? Um, 
So in Jonah's case, you know, he didn't want to go. And we all know the next part of the story, right? He runs away. Um, you know, God says, go to Nineveh. And Jonah goes, I'm going to Tarshish. <laughs> you know, and God sends a, you know, a, a big fish, who, you know, well, whatever, to, to go get him, right? And it goes get him, brings him back and spits him up on the beach, right? Um, and there he is, right? And then there's a, a big fish in the background, right? Um, chapter 3, verse number 1. So he's back on the beach, back where he started. Uh, and it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah arose, right? This time he goes. And he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in extent. Right? Some debate about exactly what that means, but it was huge in its day. It was a, it was a massive place. Um, back in those times. Um, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Right? 40 days left, God's going to judge this place. Right? Uh, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and they put on sackcloth. This was something they did when they were mourning, like at funerals and stuff, you know. Um, And the greatest, from the greatest of them to the least of them, right? The whole place did this. Um, took three days to go through Nineveh. Jonah gets one day into it, and the people start to listen to what he says. And the king of Nineveh, who at that time was the most powerful man on the planet, um, he tells everyone to fast and repent, right? And this is his reasoning for this. This is uh, verse number nine, uh, chapter three, verse number nine. He says, who knows, God may turn, uh, so God may relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said that he would do to them. They did not do it. Right? They were sorry. They were truly sorry. They turned. They changed. Right? And God saw that, and God didn't, didn't carry out the judgment that he was planning to carry out against them. Um, this was extraordinary. Right? Jonah preached for one day. And they humbled themselves and, and asked God's forgiveness. Right? Uh, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough. I went been to some big museums. I went to the British Museum in, in London and, and the, the Louvre in, in Paris. And they, they both have lots of artifacts from the Assyrian Empire. And the archaeology is, is quite amazing how they went from, from uh, worshipping multiple gods to worshipping one god, all from one main event, one big event. right? And this is the event right, that, that carried that out. Um, now, Jonah had been preaching in northern Israel for years, and they hadn't done this. Right? And there, were, there were multiple prophets before him. Right? What's the practical application of this? Well, when you step out and do that thing that you just feel like God's wanting you to do, uh, whatever that, that thing is for you, and you, you finally agree to do it, here are some things to know. Right? Here are some things to know. If God asks you to do something, he will go there with you. Yeah. Um, let me show you this. The newspaper article. Uh, a guy named uh, James Bartley was swallowed by a sperm whale during a, a whaling expedition off the Falkland Islands in 1891. Uh, you know, things have gone very badly wrong, eh, when you're a, a whaler and you end up inside the whale. Um, but anyway, uh, they rescued him alive 36 hours later. Um, got him out. Uh, still alive. Uh, and uh, he lived to an old age, and his grave is still there in uh, 
in England, in, in uh, it says, uh, um, hello, is James Bartley, a modern day Jonah, is what's written, written on his grave. Um, but his skin was bleached white, right? And it was like that for the rest of his life. And uh, um, Jonah arrived in Nineveh about 750 BC, right? And uh, uh, about 15 years before Jonah, so Jonah gets there 750 BC, about 15 years before that, uh, Nineveh had been, you know, had a plague go through there and a lot of people died, right? You know, think coronavirus on steroids, right? And, uh, and lots of people died. So that was 15 years before he got there. Nine years before he got there, another plague, right? Again, a lot of people died. And this one happened at the same time as a solar eclipse, right? And so Jonah turns up. He probably looks like the Joker out of Batman, you know, and says, God's going to judge this place, you know, in 40 days. And uh, these people were ready to listen. They were ready to listen, right? Jonah was terrified of going to Nineveh. Like I said, rightly so, you know. Go to Berlin and tell those Nazis to knock it off, you know. Uh, he, was really, he was really scared, but God was already there. Right? God has been working. Right? So that's an important thing to do. If, if you step out and do that thing God's asking you to do, God will go there with you. Right? Second thing, it's normal to struggle and it's not a sin to ask God why. Right? Um, look at this, uh, chapter 4, verse number 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. These people repented, right? He's mad. He's angry. The Hebrew word there that's translated angry literally means to flare the nostrils, right? It's a good, good word picture, eh? Um, flare the nostrils, right? And he prayed to the Lord and he said, Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my own country? Right? I knew this was going to happen. I said this before I even left. This is, he says, uh, this is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. This is why I ran away, right? For I knew that you are a gracious God. Right? You, you give us stuff that we don't deserve, right? And merciful. You don't treat us the way we deserve to be treated, right? Uh, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, right? Unchanging love. One who relents from doing harm, right? You hold back from doing harm to people. You don't treat us like we deserve, you know? Um, um, you read from Psalm 103 this morning, it said almost the, that exact same thing, didn't it? You know, Holy Spirit, Spirit's working this morning, eh? Hey? Um, uh, you know, and Jonah goes, I knew this was going to happen. And verse number three, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live, right? Just kill me now, right? And he's serious about this, right? And the Lord said, you do well to be angry. Jonah, is it really okay for you to be angry about this? No. Remember, if the, the Assyrians repent and, and so God doesn't judge them, then they will bring the hammer down on Israel, right? Um, uh, who are still refusing to repent, you know, and, and have been for for you know years. And so, by helping the Assyri the Assyrians to repent, Jonah's just ushered in this this um, long coming judgment on his own people. That is really tough, you know. That's really tough. Um, he's a prophet, right? He knows what this means, and. Uh, and this is important, right? Because if you step out, you do that thing that God's asking you to do, sometimes God's plan won't make sense to you, right? Um, see, this was part of a long-running plan that God had for Israel that really spanned hundreds of years, right? And, um, but that's really tough if you're Jonah and you're a bit of it is here, 
you know, that's really tough, but it was it was really, really important, right? If you do that thing that that God is on your case about, there will be times where you'll ask, why am I doing this again? <laughs> why, why am I doing this, right? Uh, and that's okay. That's okay to ask that. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, my God, my God. What's the next word? Why? Yeah, why? Right? What does that tell us? Not a sin to ask why, right? In fact, it's part of the process. It's part of the process that we go through, right? Um, uh, and so that's important, right? Because you, you'll have those times. You'll have those times. Also, it's important to know that uh, just because you're doing what God wants you to do doesn't mean everything's going to be a box of fluffy ducks, right? Sometimes your air conditioner breaks. Right? Sometimes the AC breaks. Nineveh is experiencing one of the greatest revivals in the history of the world. Right? Uh, um, Jonah has never experienced anything like this in Israel. But Jonah leaves the city and he goes up on a hill looking, overlooking the city. Uh, it doesn't really tell us why. I, I think maybe he's kind of hoping that maybe God might still send fire from heaven or something and you know, burn them all up or something. You know, um, you know, And he'll have a front row seat. To see it, I, I'm not really sure, but but um, you know, he, he's up on this hill over the city, and this plant grows up overnight, right? And uh, the Hebrew word refers to a castor oil plant, and castor oil plants have these really big leaves, right? And um, and, and that's really good because Jonas, uh, God sent Jonah to northern Iraq, right? And it's mega hot, right? Like hot, like we can't even imagine, you know, here in the Waikato, uh, and um, uh. So a shade plant is almost a necessity. You know, you, you could die pretty quickly without one if you don't get shade. And so this thing grows up overnight, and so Jonah's underneath it, sitting on the hill. And then it, these worms get at it and eat it, and it dies just in a day, withers up and dies. And, um, and uh, this happens just as this hot desert wind blows in, <laughs> right? And uh, And... And Jonah just wants to die. He already said that, but now he just really wants to die, right? And um, chapter 4, verse number 9, God says this, uh, Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant, right? Is it okay for you to be angry about your castor oil plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die, right? I am mad. I stepped out to do what you asked me to do. And now these people have repented. You know, who knows what that means? And, and now, you know, my castor oil plant is dead and I'm sitting in this hot desert, you know, in this stupid place. Just give me this stupid place, right? I just want to die, right? Just because you're serving God doesn't mean that everything is going to run perfectly for you, right? Um, that's not what Jesus taught. That's, it's really not. When we were in Seoul, we were surrounded by a lot of really big churches and, and they taught this kind of health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. And it kind of goes like this. If you serve God, you'll be really rich. You'll make plenty of money. You'll never get sick, you know, and uh, uh, it, it'll just be awesome. And, it, and if that's not your experience, then there's something wrong with you. you know? That's not what Jesus taught. In fact, that's the exact opposite of what Jesus taught, right? Um, we're to be partakers in his sufferings, right? Uh, we learn through this stuff. Um, and um, sometimes your air conditioning breaks. Sometimes your car breaks down, you know. 
Sometimes people get sick. Sometimes things just don't go right. You know, um, serving God doesn't exempt you from that stuff, right? Now, the difference is we understand that God can use even that stuff to do great things, right? Before we left uh, and went overseas, before we went to Scotland, we had a, we had a young family and we had a, a, a minivan. It was quite a nice one. And we sold that and we bought another one uh, in Scotland from a, a missionary that was there that was leaving, um, going overseas. And uh, this thing was a lemon. All right, uh, looked good, but oh, mate, it was awful. Within a few months, reverse, it wouldn't go into reverse. Uh, it was automatic and there was some solenoid inside the gearbox, you know, lost its way. And uh, we had to memorize where all the parking lots in town were that were on a lean so that you could so that you could roll it back out again when you, you know. And, uh, you know, just within a few months, it was worthless and we'd spent all the money that we had from the other car. And I was mad with God about that. You know, I was going, God, you know, we stepped out to do what you asked us to do. And now look, you know, you know my castor oil plant is dead, you know. And, um, but it was amazing. And, and for time's sake, I can't go into all the details that God worked through that stuff. Part of it was, you know, we were there with a couple other families and I had to keep saying, I need help to get the kids to school because my car is broken again, you know. And that kind of drew us together as a team. And there, there was all kinds of other things, right. But, um, uh, you know, God works these things out, right. So at this point, you're thinking, all right, you're not making this sound very inviting, all right? Have a look at this, verse number 10. And the Lord said, right, you pity that plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came in, in, into being in a night and perished in a night. Right? And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there were more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left hand and also much cattle? Says Jonah, you're angry about your AC, you know, and it was there when you got there. You didn't have to build it or anything. You know, I had it for a day. Right? He says, "There's 120,000 people in Nineveh, as well as their livestock, and these people are, are living with no direction, no sense of purpose. They don't know the right hand from their left hand. You know, what about them? What about them, Jonah?" Here's the point of this message, right? Romans 8.29 says this. says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. What does that mean? It means that God has a predetermined plan to make you more like Christ, right? to make you think more like Christ, to make you see the world from his perspective, um, and make you act more like him. When you stop ignoring that thing that you kind of feel like God's wanting you to do and you step out and, and, and you do it, you're choosing to follow that plan. Right? Um, and uh, you'll think, you know, somebody better can do this. And you'll think, this is going to mess up my plans. You know? And you'll think, this is none of my business. Right? But it's God's plan. And for whatever reason, he chose you for this mission, right? And that plan will never look like what you thought it would. Uh, and you'll struggle with it sometimes. Uh, and even, and you'll think, what am I doing here? You know, why am I doing this, you know? And even when you're on the right track, sometimes your AC will break. And life will beat you up. But as you engage in it, you'll start to understand just a little bit 
how Jesus thinks. And you'll start to think just a little bit the way Jesus thinks. And then you'll start to act just a little bit the way Jesus acts. And that will make your life better, and that will make you better at life. There's nothing like that sort of sense of purpose that you get when you go, God's called me to do this. Right? And step out and do it, even in those times where it doesn't make sense, you know, it'll make you better at life. So the big question, the big challenge, what is that thing that God's wanting you to do? What is that thing that God's wanting you to do? Right? And you probably can feel it right now <laughs> right? Uh, while I'm talking about it. Uh, let's pray and then we'll, we'll hand back over. Father, we... Uh, um, we are humbled by the immenseness of you, by the um, uh, the glory of you, by the um, the fact that you are the creator of the universe. But you look down and you care about us, and you cared about Nineveh, and you cared about you know us in, in our sinful state. Um, and Lord, dumb. Um, we thank you for that. Thank you that you are a God, a loving God, a gracious God, slow to anger, um, full of loving kindness. All those things that Jonah knew way back then. Uh, and that hasn't changed. And we, we thank you for that. Lord, um, um, we thank you that you want to use us, just kind of sinful people like us, to make a difference and, and expand your kingdom. And uh, um, it's kind of mind-blowing. Uh, but we thank you for that. Thank you for everybody here. Lord, we just pray um, uh, as, as people step out and do the things that you're asking them to do. Lord, um, um, just really just pray they get a really good sense that you're with them uh, as that happens. Uh, Lord, um, thank you that uh, um, you cared so much. You loved the world so much. You loved all of us so much that you gave up your only son. Um, that if we believe in you, we don't perish. We can have life with you forever, and we thank you for that. Uh, Lord, um, um, thank you that uh, all these people turned up here this morning on this freezing cold day to worship, and uh, um, that's a big step out in itself. And, Lord, we just pray um, that you bless them for that. Uh, Lord, uh, um, thank you um, for wanting to use us, and, and thank you for the opportunities that are in front of us. Uh, We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.